we all want to be happier. But how do we get there? First, we start by realizing happiness is not a destination. Being happy consists of micro action steps every single day. I'm your host, Brittany King, and I'm here to guide you along the way. Welcome back to the Positively Real Podcast. I'm your host and your coach, Brittany King. I'm so excited for this conversation because I could talk about this all day long and I feel like I've just scratched the surface in the sleep world and I'm so excited to have an expert on the show. Patrick, welcome to the Positively Real Podcast. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you for, uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for asking. How are you? Thanks for asking. I am doing really well. I, this week has been really rough, not going to lie, just coming back from a trip, being completely disconnected. I felt like I got reverse culture shock, which was Mm. weird having reverse culture shock in your own state um, and country. Like, you know, when you leave somewhere and come back. So I've been kind of working through that. I'm sure that will come up in our conversation, but today is the first day that I feel like myself. So thanks for asking. I'm, I'm doing great today, but Patrick, welcome to the show. So glad to have you here. And I love, so how we know each other, I always like to share with my audience, like my guests and how we've connected. And I would say we connected through law of attraction, like just like-minded people on the gram. And I have, you know, so many people have a love hate relationship with Instagram. And as I've you know developed a business, I'm sure you can relate to this. It's like using it as a tool to connect with like-minded people. It's been the most amazing way to do that. And that's how we know each other is through the gram and being in the same coaching world. So it's so awesome that we were able to connect and I'm so grateful to have you on the show. So Patrick is a sleep coach. Like that is, I mean, like I could just mic drop right there because I think sleep is the most important thing to our health and well-being and happiness and everything that I talk about on this show sleep to me is like the number one and this is coming from someone who used to say I'll sleep when I'm dead I can't even believe I used to say that out loud. And I would get like two to three hours of sleep and tell myself I wasn't tired. I would be on technology before bed. Like I used to have such a poor relationship with sleep, which also resulted in having a very poor relationship with myself. So this topic is like near and dear to my heart because I have become a complete nut about sleep. And I'm just grateful to have you to dive into the topic. So... Without further ado, let's give the audience a little background on who you are, what you do, what you're about, and then we'll get into the goodness. So uh, like Brittany said, I am a sleep coach. What that means is I basically advise people and coach them on ways of improving their sleep, but not just that, ways of creating more energy within the body so that when it is time to sleep, your body knows what to do with that energy as well. So there's... There's a lot that goes into sleep that hasn't been researched, hasn't been dug into, and it's starting to. It's starting to be identified. People are starting to look at, you know, the correlative factors of sleep, what doing this does to your sleep cycle and and vice versa. And so each person is different. I like to say it's ABCs to get you to more Zs. (laughs) And depending on where you are in life, it's going to be a different combination, assortment of different tactics, habit, habits, lifestyle hacks, nutritional advice, timing, all these things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if someone like you, for example, who studied sleep on maybe a surface level or a little bit deeper level than, than some, uh, you know, maybe you meditate, maybe you have breath work, maybe you do good follow uh, nutrition well, you have a good nutrition system. And so you don't have a lot of toxicity in the body and things like that. All of those are the first easy clippings of the tree, right? If you're not moving your body, move your body. It's very simple, right? Our bodies are what? Bodies are liquid. What happens when you look at liquid in nature that is not moving? It becomes sick. When it becomes sick, it gets more bacteria, more microorganisms. It turns green. It gets gross. There's all these other things going on, right? But what was the root 
of the of the problem. Either it wasn't being cleaned properly, for example of a pool, right? It doesn't have chlorine and all that kind of stuff, or the water is stagnant, it's not moving. So the first thing that that is the easiest thing to do for people that want to improve their sleep is start moving the body. Mm-hmm. And that's where my journey started. Uh, years ago, yeah, I, I had a very interesting upbringing. Um, so I was aware a lot of the toxicity. My dad is a Tai Chi master, Qigong master, and a shaman. So a lot of these new age, spiritual, biohacking, it's kind of all merging together. All of this stuff, you know, the breath work, the meditation, how it improves cognitive function, all of these things. I was aware of it at a very young age. And I practiced it. But then I rebelled against it. And I said, mm. I don't need any of that. And I had this mindset, like you, you said earlier, I'll sleep when I'm dead and... I, when I was in my teenage years and early 20s, I would openly tell people that I plan to live till I'm 50. That was my plan. Like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to live past 50 because I didn't want to be limited in life. I wanted to be always able to be my fullest. And so I thought for some reason when I was younger that at age 40, 50, you can't be normal anymore. And so what's the point of living? So I went ball through all of, you know, energy drinks and multiple jobs and hustling, trying to build my, you know, I started as a personal trainer and I was bartending and I was doing all these other things and it started to take a toll on my body and something that I didn't realize was going on. And I would just do more energy drinks and pre-workout. And I wasn't, I wasn't a meathead. Like I wasn't pre-workout every day, energy drink every day, but it was mostly every day. It was like a few days here and there. I didn't, didn't need it, but for the most part I did. And I got really, really sick and doctors really couldn't figure out what, what was going on with me. And the two, the two areas of my life that it impacted right away was my sleep. All of a sudden I started needing to sleep 10, 11, 12 hours and I was waking up exhausted. Mm. And so I couldn't figure that out. And then it started to attack my lymphatic system. My limbs became completely like super inflamed and highly swollen and Went to the doctor. He said, you have this virus, Epstein-Barr virus, but I don't think that this virus has anything to do with what's going on with your symptoms. And so let's biopsy your lymph nodes. And I left the doctor's office having some self-education to this point in my life. Pissed. I was pissed. I was like, I went and got tested. I have a virus. I'm sick. (laughs) <laughs> the virus is causing my illness. No, apparently not. And worse, let's take your limbs out so we can look at them because it might be cancer and, and things like that. And so I went and sought a second opinion. I went to a naturopath and he immediately correlated it all. And he found that my spleen was inflamed and he gave me a detox for my spleen because it was about to burst, which a ruptured spleen is very dangerous mm-hmm. if you're not close to medical attention, medical care. And so I took the advice that he said. He said, it's my environment, it's my habits, it's my food, mm-hmm. right? These are the things that were causing what I was doing. I thought I was pretty healthy. I was in the best shape of my life, all these things, but I still got sick. And so I started to research, started to study, went to school for yoga, life coaching, uh, med- and, the, and meditation, and holistic nutrition, because I was just intrigued in all this stuff, and I wanted a verifiable source to get this information. So I spent a few years doing that. And as I learned more and more about energetics of the body, how the body works, how important the breath is, the nutrition, the toxicity, the toxins really aren't talked about. But when you go into holistic nutrition, you really start to understand how toxic the environment is that we live in currently. Mm-hmm. And Mind you, I'm learning all this stuff kind of on the fly and implementing what works and, and trying to heal myself. And mm-hmm. eventually I, I, I started to heal. I, I went plant-based and, and all these different factors that eventually led to my, I'm in a healthier position now than I was. And uh, even though I'm physically not the same person that I was, I'm, everything else is, is way better. I don't do energy drinks. I don't, I'm not hooked on anything. And what I realized through this is that because of the toxic environment that we live in, we need a whole new model for how we're doing things because the way that we're doing things is not how humans have evolved. We evolved, you know, whether you believe that we're 10,000 years old or 
as science proves, we're 300,000 years old. What, whatever you believe, our entire existence has been evolving in that way for 300,000 years. And only in the last 120 years has everything that we do on an operational experiential level different. So we're not adapted to the environment that we're living in. Mm. And that is what's creating all this, all these problems. Mm. And it doesn't just harken, harken to sleep. It's, you know, chronic illnesses and uh, cancers and, you know, even uh, genetic disorders, right? It, it comes from the parents and it doesn't come from their parents. It comes from the shit that they're eating in their environment, right? The reason why autism 40 years ago wasn't even a statistic and now it's one in every 20 kids has autism. It wasn't even taught in medical school in the 80s and 90s. It was only taught in cycle and psychology, you know, wherever you go to get a psychology MD when you when you become a psychiatrist and, mm. and you go through that. That's where you learn about autism until recently. But that's because it was believed to be a mental disorder and not a genetic disorder. And now mm. they think it's a genetics. But anyways, it's all because of our toxic environment. And so what was a big key for me in moving into the coaching because, you know, I have my training in yoga and breath work and meditation and nutrition and all of these things play a factor into what I do. But I was having conversations with um, like-minded entrepreneur type individuals and they had been doing meditation and they had a good morning routine and they moved their bodies and their nutrition maybe wasn't the best, but it wasn't fast food and things like that. So their toxins were low compared to normal, normal everyday nine to fivers. And they were still struggling to let go and fall asleep. So they knew the importance of it. They tried different things. They tried all the different hacks and consistently they were, they were just still struggling with it. And I had this sort of like light bulb moment go off in my mind. And I said, so these, these common occurrences, so it was one or two things. It was either that they're entrepreneur in, in spirit, and so they're very connected to what they want to do. What they want to do in life, they're very behind, motivated by and inspired by, right? Anyone who's an entrepreneur, it's usually something that you want to share with the world. It's, it's not usually like out of a must. Um, that's typically the other route. If it's a must, you, know, you got to pay bills, you're going to go work for someone else. But if you want to create a dream, you, you become an entrepreneur. And so they're very connected with their mission. And so what would happen is they would have their whole workday calls and emails and all these things that typically require are required of an entrepreneur or businessman or woman. And they would have their healthy practices, their, their juices, their cleansing, detoxing, their meditation, their, their gym routine, their run, whatever it is. So they have all these things and then it gets late into the night and they're looking to detach and let go and fall asleep. But what happens is that instead of going from do, do, do to be and relax, they would go from do, do, do to creativity. And they would go into this, this real creative inspired mode and it was useful it's useful right it's useful to have creative time throughout the day especially when you're trying to build your brand and your business so there was a positive but it was affecting their sleep and they weren't getting the necessary amounts of sleep that they know they needed and it was impacting their performance and so so then there's other people and it's a very similar thing that's going on and this again this is not talked about in enough detail to to the majority of people. This is, you know, sleep doctors and sleep scientists, sleep researchers, sleep experts. They talk about the hacks, they talk about those things, but they don't talk about some of the deeper things, the, the more root issues. And so you have the entrepreneur and, and that's their problem is that they're so connected and, and, and uplifted that at night they get into a creative mode. So now you have nine to fivers or, you know, whatever their schedule is, they're working for somebody else though. And they work their busy day. And then as soon as they get done with their busy day, maybe they're, maybe they're in tune. Maybe they do have some decent practices. But I've found that entrepreneurs are far more self-studious and than typical nine-to-fivers. They're going to try and upgrade themselves because they know that it translates to 
better better return on their investment. And so maybe they still have those things, but maybe they don't. And so they get off work and what do they do? They go for a distraction. Even working out is a distraction. So they go, okay, work, work, work. I'm going to go distract myself. So I'm going to go hang out with the boys. I'm going to go out to the bar. I'm going to watch sports. I'm going to play video games. I'm going to go and go work out. It's all distracting. Now of these, obviously working out's the best because there is a quietness there. So it's a little bit, a little bit different, but it still is distracting. And so they get done with that and then they get home and then they eat dinner. And then what do they do? More distracting. Even reading again is distracting. And so then it's time to go to bed, let go. And what happens? Well, you're not inspired because maybe you're working for someone else. So it's not a creative spark that happens, but you're dependent upon a lot of other people. So what happens is it turns into an anxious spark Mm -hmm. and you start reliving your mistakes and flashing back through your life and all the things that you did wrong today and all the things that you did wrong the day before and all these things uncontrollably. Uh, my sister is a good example of someone who had that problem for a long time. She would be working. She'd, she'd distract herself. She'd eat. She'd distract herself. And then she'd go to bed and she couldn't fall asleep for hours because she'd have all these anxious thoughts going through her mind. What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about this? Why, mm-hmm. why are you working here? Why are you doing that? This is a dead end job. This, whatever the story is that you're telling yourself, it's interfering with your ability to let go and fall asleep. So two different problems, two very different problems, but again, it's the same system. It's the same adherence to the same rules. And what is happening, and this is where my yoga experience and understanding chakras and the energy systems in the body, what has happened is that we have energy centers in the body up the spine and certain energy centers represent certain modes of action or being or so your, your root chakra is, is where you're safe. It's your safe space. It connects you to the earth, right? Your third eye chakra is your intuition, your creativity, your connection to the divine. So there, there are two ends of the poles. And what was, what's happening with people is because of a disconnect from our inner nature and our outer nature, we're getting our energy stuck up here. And it's not brain energy. It's not carbohydrates. It's not having too much sugar. All of those things, yeah, they play a factor. But it's, it's the energy is getting stuck in, in this area. In the expressive area, let's say you're a salesman, so it gets stuck here or, or it gets stuck here. So it gets stuck in these higher chakras, these higher energy centers, and then you can't turn it off. And what was the solution? Super easy. Learn how to lower your energy levels. Learn how to take the energy that is trapped and stuck up here and shift it down into your safe space, into your ground, into your center, aka being centered, and watch as the thoughts and anxieties and the creativity and all that dissipate and you're able to fall asleep. So that's the, that's the diagnosis. That's what I see as a big problem with sleep. Even with people that are reading the books and researching and hacking and doing all these, you know, good morning routine. Yeah, morning routine is vital. Very, very vital if you want to get the best bang for your buck on your sleep. If you want to wake up as fully charged as possible, avoid caffeine until later into the day um, when you first wake up, right? There's a lot of things that we can do. But to me, there's a systemic problem, and it's in our system, in our systems of operating as human beings. Mm. And so two really quick things that you can do. The easiest thing that you can do to downshift this energy, to get unstuck, is go touch the earth, right? I live in New York City. It's not easy to touch the earth in New York City, but I find a way. So every night, last hour before I go to bed, I put my feet, my bare feet in the grass. If you don't have... Grass in the sand. If you don't have sand and it's all sidewalk, grab a tree. A tree is rooted into the earth. So it provides the same sort of system, uh, the same sort of reaction. And so 
what the body does with that information is that there's an energetic exchange between the body and the earth. This is now known as earthing or grounding. There's science behind it. It's beneficial for inflammation. It helps with Alzheimer's, decreases, uh, decreases blood pressure. There's a lot of po positives from that on a science perspective. But then you go to the energetic perspective and what happens? The body knows that it's time to rest. There's no sun out, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. late at night. It's dark. Even in a city like New York, it's still dark enough. And so you start to produce melatonin and then you connect with the earth, which allows for this static energy that's stuck up here to now move. Hmm. And it moves down and then you fall right asleep. And so this is something that I teach every single person I come into contact with, regardless if I'm their coach or not. Because hmm. it's something so simple, hmm. but no one has ever connected it to sleep. There's people in the grounding community that know about the health benefits and all of these, but they have not connected it to the energetic process of sleeping and resting and restoring the body. The best thing you can do to start your day is to go out and ground because mm -hmm. the body works with, within relation to the, to the earth. And so if it's early in the morning and you need energy, the opposite is going to happen. It's going to uplift your energy. If you struggle to get going mentally, you're very foggy minded in the morning and you don't, and you're not sharp and you need that cup of coffee, which doesn't really help. It just kind of excites you a little bit and you feel okay. But then it take, takes you a few hours to get your work done, right? To, to start working, start with grounding in the morning, watch how much easier you are able to cognitively, uh, produce to to utilize your brain more quickly more efficiently because the body again speaks with the earth and the earth connects with you and it helps you uplift the energy and then at night when the energy is stagnant and it's unable to move go connect and it'll bring the energy down so it's this very symbiotic relationship that we have with the earth hmm. and it's it's very important and not talked about you know we have 120 years ago ish we developed rubber and rubber insulation. And we decided to put that in everything. We decided to put it in the foundations to our buildings. It's on our roads. And we wear it on our feet. And it's on our cars. So being an insulator, what does that mean? It means that it insulates us from electric fields, electric and magnetic fields. Well, when you're insulated from electrical field that comes from the earth, right there, you are now a spaceman because you're not connected with the earth. Yeah, you're still breathing air and things like that, but you are not living on the earth. When you're wearing your Nikes and you're running through the forest, you're technically not on the earth because you're not connected to the earth in any way, any physical way. So that only started in the 1900s. Up until that point, animal skin, boots, it wasn't rubberized, it was made from hides, things like that. Those aren't insulated. They don't restrict the flow of energy. And then we used wood and we used some stones. And again, stones aren't insulated. So if you just go and build a castle, doesn't have any rubber in it, then you'll be grounded in the entire castle. Mm. Right, because all of that energy moves through the stones. So it's only with the advent of rubber did this completely change. We invented rubber. We disconnected from this energy that the Earth gives us, which is very healing in nature and helps us regulate our own energy. So there's that. And then you have processed foods, which comes out at the same time. Sugar in gobbles worth starts at the same time. And then you have the invention of the artificial light. And then we, you know, we went into this combustion engine thing and we've been polluting the world ever since. So we have these five, five things. And you tell me how many people in the world exist without these five things. There's not a lot. There's, mm -hmm. you know, tribes in the middle of Africa, the Amazon, you know, those, those kinds of people don't have these things. But everyone else has some form, if not all five of these things. And these are all new things. So our bodies aren't adapted to it at all mm -hmm. whatsoever. Right. And one of the biggest things that I don't think it's talked about is this, uh, this whole grounding thing. So that's my best advice to anyone mm -hmm. who wants to improve their sleep and recharge themselves more fully and more efficiently in the morning. Mm -hmm. Introduce grounding. 
Well, I'm, I'm curious, can you give some examples of toxins? Because I feel like toxins are so sneaky because like they're invisible and we might not be aware of them. We may not be aware how they are brought into our house or how they're impacting our health and more specifically our sleep. Because I'm sure there are people that do all the things, meditate, eat well, like avoid technology before bed, and then still get a lot of sleep and wake up and are still groggy or if they're like get 12 hours sleep, they still feel, you know, that they didn't get any sleep. Um, what ta- like what examples are there of toxins so people can be um, aware of them? So toxins are, there's, there's a lot of different kinds, obviously. And um, what happens with specific toxins is that, so they interrupt certain processes. So certain toxins that you ingest in your, fu- in your food and So for an example, any wheat product that has been highly processed is technically a toxin because what it does to your body is it blocks certain hormonal receptors that exacerbate the system. And so a toxin is is an ingredient or a a particle or a a virus or a... uh, a food product that disrupts homeostasis in the body. That's what I, that's how I classify a toxin. That then allows for a lot of things to be toxic. That definition allows for a lot of things to be toxic. But let's focus on the, the important ones, I suppose. And the cool thing about all of this is that the best way to protect yourself from them is going to affect all of them. It's not going to be an isolate, like let's say you want to get the arsenic out of your body or the mercury or whatever. Anything you do to detox the mercury out of your body is also going to detox any other heavy metals. And it's also going to detox uh, pollutants and it's going to detox the glyphosate and these different fungicides. So they're all, it's, so the remedy is the same regardless uh, uh, on the internal and on the external it's, you know, there's light toxins, right? So how the light affects your body. So blue blockers, I'm totally in support of blue blockers. Where Again, 100 years ago, you didn't have access to light 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now we do, right? We can literally be under light forever if we want to. And that is so bad for our system. There's a study done that it's, and so the important thing about light is that blue blockers are great, but they only cover your eyes. That's majority of what goes in, but they also have done studies and we have photoreceptors on our skin. So just because you have the blue blockers on, if you have a huge incandescent light bulb or any kind of light bulb right above you blasting your body, you're still getting contradicting information from the photoreceptor on your skin. And so if it's late at night, your body's going to delay, excuse me, delay its melatonin processes. Mm-hmm. So we also need to understand saying that blue lockers are great but it's not the only thing it's that our bodies are photoreceptors and they did a study that showed that one little led light a book light but on the back of somebody's knee while they're sleeping so they're in complete darkness but they have one light on the back of their knee disrupts their their sleep almost 50 percent. that's sending a signal that's con- contradictive to the rest of the body and so the body is like oh well i'd rather err on the side of caution there might be some light, I might not be, it might not be time to sleep. So I'm not going to produce as much melatonin. So I'm not going to get as much deep sleep, which means I'm not going to get as much REM sleep. I'm going to kind of be in this in-between light sleep phase. And that's the least restorative of all sleep. How long do you want to be in deep sleep or REM cycle? Like what percentage? You want at least 50% of your time in deep sleep and REM sleep. Mm-hmm. Light sleep is usually around 50% of your sleep. Usually. Now you can shorten that by becoming more efficient at entering into deep sleep sooner. So then you get more deep sleep at the beginning and then, uh, and then waking up at the right time helps with REM sleep because what can happen with REM sleep is that REM sleep is this backing up. The most important part of, of REM sleep is that you're taking conscious information out of your prefrontal cortex and you're transitioning it through the hypothalamus into the long-term memory banks. Mm. And there's so much information that's in your brain. And so the reason why when you stay up for long periods of time that you perform less efficiently 
over, you know, like over a time. And then it even, if you're up for 48 hours straight, you're legally drunk because that's the effect on your brain. So the reason why is not because your brain becomes less efficient or anything. It just gets overloaded with information. And so you haven't had REM cycles, which allow for that information to be backed up and then, and then refreshed. So when you're waking up groggy and you're waking up with a foggy mind, that's the signal that you have leftover information, that your REM cycles weren't complete enough and you have leftover residual information from the day before that is clogging your new experience. It's slowing it down because, again, you, have, you don't have as much data, data bank space to process information. So... The most important part with REM sleep is that you want to wake, you want to time your sleep as best you can to wake up after a REM cycle. How do you know when to cycle? Like how, like how do you know when to wake up like after a cycle? Yeah, that's, that, that's, <laughs> that's a trial and error. Good rule of thumb is most cycles are 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so you can time it out that way. There's technologies that are coming out that are supposed to be able to, you know, I think, I think with, uh, the aura ring. I'm not too on board with too yeah. many different technologies. Why? I wanted to ask you about the aura ring. Do you have have you dabbled in it? Do you think it's effective or like because there is you're using technology? Yeah, I have clients that, that utilize it. They love it, uh-huh. and so you know it's it's teach their own. I'm a big proponent of again. There's a point where modern technology takes us away from the healing of the body the innate and energetic healing of the body and so my my rule of thumb is like what you want to do for when you're sleeping imagine you're at a campfire and you're camping right and i don't know maybe imagine that it was 200 years ago i guess because most people are on their phone now while they're camping but imagine you're at a campfire and those are the things that you have at your disposal campfire stuff camping stuff it's all, it's all what I like to call analog. I like to call the physical world analog and then all the technology, I like to call it digital. And so when you do an analog thing, like sitting next to a fire, even though it's a source of light, first of all, it doesn't have the blue light, but the warmth and the experience, the energetic exchange of the campfire allows for the body to rest and harmonize and relax and then obviously you're camping so you're connected with the earth in some form and so there's a huge immense benefit from that so if you can incorporate that into your late night early morning rituals then that's going to have a huge improvement on on your sleeping um so okay that's super interesting because everyone's like recommend seven uh you know seven and a half to eight hours right and it's not that straightforward and it's interesting that you get six and you go to bed around midnight so tell me a little bit more about that because I find that really interesting because if you look up anything it's like get seven and a half to eight hours and that's what like the same thing with drinking water it's like you need to have eight glasses of water like where did eight come from I feel like someone just chose an arbitrary number or like eight that sounds good. That sounds good. If you drink eight glasses of water and you didn't have the right sort of minerals in your diet, you would actually become dehydrated from mm. eight glasses of water. Interesting. So, you know, like there's a lot of information out there that's like Surgeon General or right. whatever the hell that means, you know, <laughs> Surgeon General warning or yeah. these are what the experts say. And it's not, it's not correct. I mean, yeah. my big example is that if you look at, if you look up, obviously we're not on their level, but if you look up ancient yogis and current yogis and uh, master meditators and people of that, that ilk, they will tell you they don't sleep or they sleep very little. Hmm. So there is a process at which you can reduce the amount of sleep that you need if you have the right practices mm. that recharge your batteries in a, in a similar way. It's more so about like the quality. Yoga Nidra specifically. Oh, is I love Yoga, yoga Nidra. So good. Yoga Nidra, after you do it 10 to 12 times, will actually give you a new neural pathway. Mm. This new neural pathway will then be accessible to you while you're sleeping. Hmm. And what it does is it more it, it increases the efficiency at which you get into sleep mm-hmm. and get into deep sleep. And then you can extend the deep sleep through habit 
by doing yoga nidras. Mm. So by doing yoga nidras consistently for a couple weeks, maybe not every day, but you know, spending 30 minutes meditating to an hour, you can actually create as much healing and recovery as a few hours of sleep in those 30 minutes to an hour. Mm. So then that, what that means is that now you don't, you don't need as much sleep, but you're also teaching your brain how to sleep better mm. because those things that you're learning subconsciously while you're in a yoga nidra state are being transferred into your sleeping. And is it grounding? Like, is that a part of the circadian rhythm? Because I have found that I have very much become a go to sleep with the sun, wake up with the sun. Like, that's just how my body has been. That's how I've just naturally evolved since I decided that sleep was very important. So is grounding a part of like getting into a circadian rhythm? Yeah, 100%. It definitely, it definitely adds to harmonizing into that. Now it's, when you ground, it's impossible not to get sunlight. So probably more of the sunlight than the grounding as far as it comes to Mm -hmm. the circadian rhythm specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm glad you brought up the circadian rhythm because Mm -hmm. people all over the world completely misunderstand the circadian rhythm. Let's let's dive into that because I think people are confused by it. So this is another thing too that is different now than it was ever in the past, right? So the circadian rhythm is strange. If you talk to any, uh, any sleep doctor, any, anyone who's in the study of sleep from a medical standpoint, they will straight up tell you that there are parts of the circadian rhythm that just don't make sense. And the reason why they say that is because it doesn't make sense for our systems today. It doesn't make sense um, for someone who works a nine to five to have a slight uptick of melatonin and a downtick of cortisol in the afternoon. Why does that happen? That doesn't make sense in today's society, but humans evolved for 300,000 years in a completely different different way mm. that we kind of understand, but we really don't, but we kind of understand. So why do we have this cortisol, cortisol lower in production and a slight uptick of melatonin? It's not a huge... Like, it's not, okay, this is, you're going to fall asleep, but it it is noticeable. So what does that tell me? That tells me that at some point in our history, for thousands of years, people must have taken a nap at that time. What time are we talking, like three (laughs) o'clock? Yeah, like one to three. Yeah, like one to three, that kind of thing. And and again, the circadian rhythm is like this stamp and everyone's like, oh, this is how it works for Mm -hmm. everyone. Uh, No, not exactly. Mm -hmm. It's different for everyone. You got to twist it and turn it and find where it works for you. If you don't naturally wake up at seven o'clock, then I guarantee you, you aren't producing cortisol at seven o'clock. Like Mm -hmm. if you were, you'd probably be waking up. So if you're, if you naturally wake up at 10 in the after 10 AM, then your cortisol probably starts at like nine. Mm -hmm. So your circadian rhythm isn't the same as everyone else's. So we have this lull from one to three. Most people just re-up on their energy drinks or the coffee or whatever. Maybe they have a holistic approach. Maybe they do tea. Maybe they do some yoga practice. But most people don't take a nap at that time. But when you look back at, at history, why would that be a good time to nap? Well, that's the hottest time of the day. If you're you know, hurting animals and planting things and watering things and upkeeping things and working on the land or whatever you do, even if you're sewing and shit, you're not going to want to be out in the middle of the day when it's super hot doing that stuff. So you didn't do it at that time. So what else could you do? Well, you could go take a nap. So for some reason, that's, that's what that tells me. It tells me that. It tells me that at some point in history for thousands of years, it had to have been a long time, for our bodies to incorporate it, right? Couldn't have just been, oh, this one tribe did it for a hundred years. No, it's like, this was a huge part of evolution. We took naps at that time, or we lay down or we relaxed or we meditated or we didn't do things in that time. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't need a cortisol and we could use a little melatonin because melatonin isn't just about sleeping. It's, it's It's a powerful antioxidant. So there's a lot of health benefits of melatonin that don't relate to sleep at all. That makes so much sense. Like I've never, I, de- I never learned that before until this moment. And 
I go to sleep between like I'm in bed by eight. I'm usually sleeping by nine. And I know if I stay up past that around like 10, 45, 11, I'm up. Like I am awake. I like I'm alert. And I've, I've always like, I've never, I never connected the dots with the cycle and how that works with melatonin and cortisol until you just said that. I'm like, that makes so much sense. Cause it is, it sounds like you do have a sleep window. And if you miss it, like if I end up working to that time, then I'm up, I'm like, I'm, I'm up and I feel like I'm alert. So, um, that's really fascinating. So what, like, what suggestions would you have for someone that really like wants to get into a, like their sleep rhythm and their sleep cycle? So if you want to use the circadian rhythm, you have to first identify when you, when your body attaches itself to that rhythm, right? Mm-hmm. So you're someone who naturally, like I said earlier, if you wake up naturally at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. or 9 a.m., that means that your cortisol is not being produced uh, probably an hour before is when it starts mm-hmm. to being produced. Melatonin has stopped. So we'll give it an hour. So maybe eight o'clock. So on the circadian rhythm, it says that that's around six or seven. So that means that your circadian rhythm is a little bit off in the morning. But it doesn't mean that it will be off in the afternoon or at night either. It just means in the morning. Again, it's not the whole, you don't shift the whole thing. You just shift the necessary bits. So then in the afternoon, just take note. Take note of if you need that cup of coffee, if you need that energy drink, if you need to go for a walk or, or if your energy is feeling low. And, and just take notice of it, of what time that is. And then... In the future, do your best to schedule around that time mm. so that you can at least give, your, give yourself the chance to breathe and relax and totally. recharge at that time, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's a good time to plan your lunch or something or, yeah. you know, have a smoothie or something like that to help or, or take a nap. Yeah. I love naps. Is the secret sauce like 20 minutes? Like I've heard, like I've heard different things with that. Yeah, is a 20 minute yeah, yoga nidra is my secret sauce. So I do, uh, well, I'm, I was doing this really well for a while and then I stopped and actually my coach yesterday when I was talking about like my basic need that wasn't being met because I was avoiding and I was distracting myself and I was just like pushing myself and I was really just, I needed rest. And for a very long time, I was meditating at three o'clock. So I'd meditate when I woke up between depending it was 5 a.m at that time but now i'm meditating a little later but i was meditating at three and then since the pandemic hit which is ridiculous to even make that excuse because i'm home like all the time like i should be able to make that but i have noticed that like my energy around three o'clock is like dips and i just try to push through but instead i go through to mindless distractions instead of just like putting the distraction down going and meditating for 20 minutes because I know when I do that, it's like, I feel like a new person. So uh, it's funny, the timing of this uh, interview with what my coach and I had talked about, because it's like, okay, Brittany, you better be taking those, you know, that, that second meditation at three o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, that's what people, and, and, and then workshop, you know, what does workshop mean? Workshop means, you know, work around the problem. Mm-hmm. try and find the solution mm-hmm. there are a million things that you can do in that situation right it doesn't have to be take a nap it doesn't have to be meditate it doesn't have to be get a cup of coffee it doesn't have to be this that or the other thing mm-hmm. but we want to see what what works best with you so and then notice you know because it's very apparent that around eight or nine o'clock unless you're super you know unless it's summer and you're where i am because this is a weird phenomenon i'm from phoenix I'm used to normal times, you know, it varies like an hour here and there, that kind of thing, like sunrise, sunset, all that it doesn't really get great. Here, it's like the sun's still out and it's almost nine. It's my, it blow, it'd throw me off so bad because I'm like, why is the sun still out? Like, I want to be in bed right now. That definitely trips me out. But, you know, it's, it's, it's very apparent when you get that first signal of it's time to go to bed, yeah. that kind of thing. And it starts at around eight or nine as the twilight, as the mm-hmm. sun. Mm-hmm is going down depending on where you're at. So it might happen a little early, it might happen a little later. Uh, and so notice that. And if it's, and if you can't, if you can't go to bed at that time, mm-hmm. well, that's okay. But again, workshop it. Mm-hmm. Try and try and incorporate, again, maybe the, maybe it's just a weird nap. 
if you know you're not going to go to bed until two in the morning or one in the morning, taking a nap at eight or 9 PM, isn't really going to change that. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if it's a five hour nap, well, that's technically sleep. So mm -hmm. one of the most productive and as 2020 would have it remembered human beings is Kobe Bryant and Kobe Bryant religiously did uh, naps. He did not sleep. So you do either 30, 20, 30 minute naps or full hour and a half to three hour naps. Like he would do either one cycle, two cycles or, or a short nap. And that's how he would exist. So he'd be, he'd go to bed at one or two in the morning. He'd wake up at five, six or something like that. Maybe a few hours after he'd go to the gym, he'd work out, he'd do all that kind of stuff. He'd get back after a handful of hours uh, before noon and then he and then he'd take another nap and then he'd wake up and then he'd go to and then he'd come home and he'd take another nap hmm. so there are a lot of ways to do this this isn't you know the, just based on the the history that I have found and just deductive reasoning through what our science is telling us and how the sleep cycles work um, there is no net benefit to sleeping eight hours straight or to getting eight hours of sleep all hmm. As long, as long as you're doing complete cycles, as long as you're, you know, like what I said earlier, as long as you're not sleeping for 30 minutes and then up for 30 minutes and then sleep for 30 minutes and up, for, that would be stupid. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, take the 90 minutes. And if you are someone who can't sleep at a normal time, can't get in bed at nine or 10, play around with long naps and mm -hmm. things like that, because there's always a creative a creative endeavor, a creative way of, of figuring out these problems. And I think that that's, that's important. I'm curious too if, okay, so let's say someone sleeps 12 hours and they just wake up and they're still exhausted. Like what would you say that is a symptom of? That is a symptom of, of an illness mm. of some sort. On the surface, maybe it's just obesity or, mm -hmm. or, or diabetes or something like that, but mm -hmm. you have some... Uh, some things are getting in the way of your of your hormonal hormonal processes, uh -huh. so you don't have the right energy when you need it. You're not recharging the energy that you need. Uh, you know, if you're also gonna throw in there that you you know you have some mental fogginess and right, yeah, like like my example was that I was clear that I was sick mm -hmm. and needing the twelve hours, mm -hmm. um, and the remedy was not necessarily any of the things that I, you know, the earthing and grounding was important. Yeah. But, um, it was more so cleansing myself yeah, of like the illness, like the lifestyle of, changes. And I'm curious, my last question for you is what happens at like, what's going on in our body when we're like it, sleeping, like someone is sleeping at that level, um, where everything is, all systems are a go walk me through what is going on in our body and our mind. So there's three stages of sleep. They used to break it up a lot more, but now it's just three. So it's light sleep, deep sleep, and REM sleep. Deep sleep. Light sleep is this transitional phase. It just, it, it basically, it keeps your mind at a, at a lower rate than waking consciousness, but it exists merely for you to get into deep sleep and then from deep sleep into REM sleep. I think that there might be some more benefits to it, but science really hasn't been able to figure that out. So you start waking consciousness, you go down to, to REM sleep and into deep sleep. And in deep sleep, it's all about the body. It's all about the organs and the fascia and the muscles and the bones and any infections and any disease and anything like that is focused on during deep sleep. So that's why yoga nidra can be so powerful is because we take you into deep sleep, into that same brainwave frequency of deep mm -hmm. sleep so your body can heal, mm -hmm. but we keep you there a little bit longer than a typical uh, sleep cycle allows. So you get a, a good bang for your buck there. Um, but that's what it's doing is it's you're healing the body. So, uh, so the brain is at its lowest uh, frequency. It's at a delta waveform. And so at, at that point, there are almost no thoughts. Uh, you are existing in just pure blackness at this time. And so because of that, the energy that would normally go into the brain and into the functions of the brain, or even in REM, there's a lot of energy going on. Um, all that energy is now being used in the body. Mm. And so, you know, we look at sleep as this restorative thing, which obviously it is. 
But to look at it and say that it's not an energetic thing is, is, is an untruth. If you were to compare eight hours of sleep versus eight hours of lethargy, so eight hours of Netflix and chill, mm-hmm. you would spend mm-hmm. more energy sleeping, mm-hmm. a lot more. So you spend more energy sleeping. But all of that energy expenditure is an investment. It's mm-hmm. repairing, mm-hmm. mending, recharging. So that's what's going on during deep sleep. Your your bones are mending. Any illness that you have is being attacked head on. And so if you have an illness and you have, you know, the body, you know, so, so that's where it's like the body picks and chooses its battles too. So doctors always say, make sure you get your sleep whenever you're fighting an infection or anything like that. And that's because it is the most healing that you mm. can experience because it's when those thought patterns release and then the body can just go to work. It's just like listening to that. I'm like, our bodies have the power to heal itself by itself if we just allow it. And then we don't. We There's so many things that interfere with that healing, but it's just so, it's so fascinating. And it's like, it just, it, it's exciting to know that it's possible. It's just, I guess, learning it and then being open-minded to it because we learn, you know, in one way and it's like closes us off to this opportunity to heal ourselves just in a natural way, like nature and like sleep and just, it's so simple, but we just don't do it. So um, I'm really grateful yeah. for you to share all this knowledge. Like, you know, common sense is not common practice. So I hope that this bridged the gap a little bit for people that um, are kind of are not getting that deep sleep. Um, what would you say? My last question is like, do you have an action step or something that someone can do today? Because sleep and happiness are like they, they you can't have you can't be fully happy and fulfilled in life if you're not getting sleep. If you're going through if you're going through life foggy brained and just like going through the motions, you're missing out on so much and fulfillment. So what can someone do towards their happiness, uh, like an action step towards their happiness and sleep? A big thing. And I wasn't, I didn't know the correlation until very recently. Um, uh, yeah, maybe like a year, but I noticed the effect. And uh, for the majority of us, our coffee is shit. So either a get rid of coffee completely, which is totally doable. <laughs> Trust me. I'm sure someone's listening. Like, ah, no, I not possible. I don't. I don't. I don't drink coffee, so it's not a problem for me. I like the idea of coffee. I like the smell of it. Um, but I, it, I, coffee and I not friends. I turn into a complete psycho energy wise. I'm like off the wall. So, but there's probably people listening. Like, get rid of coffee. So coffee is an herb. Coffee is this highly, highly impact. It gives us caffeine in a natural way. That's remarkable how much it gives us and what it can do for us. But one, we don't treat it as an herb. It's a consumer product. And so it's not even looked at as an herb, which it is because it comes from a cherry. Mm-hmm. It's a pit of a cherry. It's the seed of a cherry. Um, and so it's this really powerful herb and the, the crazy, so the thing about herbs is that there is a balance and there's all, just like with anything, but even more so with herbs is that overuse leads to some of the problems you're trying to solve Mm -hmm. with the herb. Just like if someone was drinking a pint of ginseng every day or, uh, any other herb, they would have problems. They would have unbalanced adrenal glands and mm-hmm. they would have issues with their own thyroid, with their own hormone production. But it harkens back to the fact that we are abusing an herb, a very powerful medicinal mm-hmm. plant. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying get rid of coffee. I'm saying get rid of bad coffee mm-hmm. and try to limit your own coffee. Humans were so disconnected and I was this way. I was so disconnected from my inner world. And the more I tuned in through yoga, through meditation, through these practices, I started to like, there was like red flags everywhere that I was missing because I was so disconnected. So I think it is, it's just like knowing, like coming into your body, coming home because like, this is all we have. This is it. Like 
we have all this external stuff, but really at the end of the day, we only have one home and that is our body. And it's just so important to take care of ourselves and, and get enough sleep. So thank you so much, Patrick. This conversation was awesome. I learned so much. I, you know, the connection with sleep and nature makes so much sense to me the way that you were explaining it. And I know like, um, on camping trips, I, even though I'm sleeping on the floor in dirt, like it's sometimes the best sleep I've ever had. And, um, even just the trip I was just on, like coming back from the grand Canyon, we slept on cots, but I mean, the first thing we do is wake up, our feet are in the sand and it was like completely energizing and coming home. I, I feel like I had been hit with a ton of bricks. Like I, it was like, I was telling you before we hit record, I feel like reverse culture shock. And I'm telling you all week long, I have felt so tired and yeah, you know, the sleep wasn't um, like we'd wake up because you know, there it rained or there'd be like different elements. Cause we were literally just sleeping on cots. Yeah. But it wasn't like we weren't exhausted. We, when we were down there, like we were completely energized and it's from nature. And now coming back, n- what I'm going to do tonight is you bet I'm putting my feet in that sand out there in my backyard and I am grounding because, um, yeah, it's just so interesting. So thank you for sharing that. And I hope, um, my, my listeners found that interesting because, you know, it's like you, it is just a different way of, of realizing, um, the power of nature. I mean, yeah, it is. And it's a, it's quickly, it's quickly, you know, if, if you're skeptical, if you're like, ah, all right, when's the last time you went to the beach? Yeah. How did you feel on the beach? Did you sleep good the night following the beach day? Yeah. That's yes, it's yes, yes, yes. No one's totally. saying I didn't sleep good. Yeah. No one said I didn't enjoy myself. I didn't feel great. Yeah. I didn't feel bad, you know? It's like, that's why people love going to the beach. They're so like drawn to the beach. Yeah, totally. Using grounding on the grass is powerful. Yeah. Wait till you, if oh, yeah. notice grounding water because it's electrical in nature right. so water oh totally the- oh no in the morning yeah. in the morning this is like the best part about uh this trip was every single morning it was like an instant cold plunge because there's the river like the colorado river is right there you just get out of bed i mean it was cold and it like shocked your system but that is how i woke up almost every single day and like it's just going from that for seven days to, to this. So like, it took me a little bit to adjust, but what I've learned is like, I can take that mentality and that mindset and bring it into like where I'm at to continue to create that. So, um, so good. Well, where, where can people find you? Um, is there anything that you're working on? Are you taking on new clients? Um, so I'm currently working on expanding my, my own coaching practice. So I have a course out there. It's a, uh, eight step course. And it's Sleep Mastery Blueprint. So you can look out, look up the course and check it out at learnliveplena.com. My website is liveplena.com. And then you can find me on Instagram at patzensleep. And yeah, reach out, connect. I'm always interested in uh, collaborating and working with people and connecting and helping and serving. So good. Well, thank you again. This is awesome. I learned so much, like I said, and I appreciate your, your wisdom, your knowledge, your time, and I'm looking forward to connecting more and collaborating. So thank you again. Well, that was a juicy conversation. I learned so much. I am such a nut about sleep and there was so much I learned that I didn't know. And it's so fascinating because we've always been told you need to get seven to eight hours of sleep, but it makes so much sense. Quality sleep over quantity and really getting into that deep sleep, getting into that REM sleep is crucial. And I think that so many of the techniques that Patrick shared be so helpful. I mean, I think we can all agree that people are just not sleeping well. Like as a collective, we are not sleeping well. I had said something to my friend the other day. They wanted to go get happy hour or something. And I was like, I am trying not to do stimulating things at night because I haven't been sleeping well. And then the next time we talked, she was like, yeah, I was like, join the club. And it's so true. We are all kind of in this space of not getting great sleep. So I really hope that you got something from this episode. And if you did, reach out, share it. I want to make sure that these episodes are providing you with value. I am so grateful. 
to have had the opportunity to sit down with Patrick and, and chat with him. And I'm so grateful for you uh, for taking the time to listen to this episode. And speaking of gratitude, gratitude season is a coming. So make sure that you follow me on Instagram and you are subscribed to my emails because I have a lot of good stuff coming for gratitude season. I think this year in particular, it is the best time to really tap into that place of gratitude. And I'm looking forward to guiding you through that. So be on the lookout for that. And that is it. I hope you have a beautiful day and remember to love yourself own your happiness and let your light shine because you are so worthy of it, my friend. Until next time.